Welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb. I'm here with Anya. Oh, I should have asked actually how to pronounce your last name. Rosanic. Rosanic. Because I was like, is it Rosanich? It or? used to be. But it, what do you mean it used to be? Well, when my uh, grandpa migrated from Croatia, no one could pronounce Rosanich. So he just ditched the itch and it's Rosanic. Okay. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I love that. I mean, I don't really love that. I feel like we should Rosanich. Yeah. We'll, keep it, we'll, we'll bring it back. I love it. Um, welcome to the podcast. We obviously work together at the notorious and infamous Lululemon, um, and you're currently studying a law and eng degree, which we had a laugh about a little bit off air, which is very funny. Uh, won't dive any more uh, deeper into that one. Um, and you recently completed a marathon in Sydney, which is incredible. Um, I think since the time that we've started working together, I've seen you grown, uh, grow in confidence, which has been really awesome to see. I think you've become a really bubbly uh, personality, which didn't really shine through at the start when we first met, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> um, but it's been incredible seeing sort of your journey from like a beginner runner to completing a bloody marathon, like incredible journey. I'm so excited to unpack your story and welcome to the podcast, Anya. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. So I guess obviously the pref- preface of the podcast will most likely surround um, the idea of marathon running and getting into running as well. But um, I'm keen to unpack sort of the idea of discussing more prevalent conversations about being a person in our 20s and also like the uni conversations and also mental health. So for the listeners, buckle in, um, get excited because we're going to be talking a little bit about that. But Anya, who are you? What do you do? So I'm 19 years old, so I haven't quite reached my 20s yet. You're 19? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were like my age. No, I'm, like, I'm 19. Okay, you're 19. Okay, 19. incredible. Um, you wouldn't pick it. Um, yes, I've just started running really recently, literally seven months ago. Uh, before that, I did not run. I was a, I'll run every four months type of vibe. And yeah, and previously I used to swim, like I wasn't even on land. Um, and yeah, I'm studying at uni, doing law engineering and that's, that's going, it's going, that's how my uni's going. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's going. going. <laughs> I think, yeah, classic, um, a very common stance on uni and, and sort of how we're all navigating it where it's, it's going. It's one of those <laughs> things that, yeah, um, I guess you're set up to sort of just do and mm. it's pretty expected of you. Is that something that you found? Yeah, I think I've, um, initially when I transitioned from high school to uni, I found it very, very hard because I mean, from high school, I'm going to say I was a high achiever. I did exceptionally well and I'm really proud of myself for that. But I really struggled from going from high school to uni because I did go into uni with quite a big ego and I, you know, I came from a private school and I was humbled a lot starting uni and I had to adjust a lot with how I learnt you know you're not spoon fed at uni and I think also friendship wise it's a lot to transition from because at school you're with your people every day for the whole day and at uni you're on your diff- you're on your own schedule so it can be quite hard and lonely initially um, so it was a, definitely a big adjustment for me and I'm still adjusting to it now but I'm starting to get my foot in the door and feel a bit more comfortable. Absolutely. The juxtaposition between, yeah, being spoon-fed at 
high school and then entering the big wide world of university and people don't really give a shit if you (laughs) turn up to tutorials or lectures is yeah very apparent um I can relate to the ego fact like definitely graduated with a pretty good score I would say and uh entered one of the I guess really top institutions uh in Melbourne and in Australia uh, likewise with yourself, obviously with the Lauren Eng degree, there's obviously some components of hard work and, and dedication and applying yourself academically to reach that standard. But yeah, uni is a completely different ball game. Um, I'm almost at the end of it. You are obviously experiencing your first year of it as well. First year? Second. Second. Second year of it as well. So yeah, it can be a tough uh, place to navigate. Um, how have you sort of gone about it? I think sort of... At the start of my uni, um, the first semester, I really didn't care about grades, <laughs> which was completely opposite to me because I was, I did special, I did chem, I did physics in year 12, literally the hardest subjects. And then <laughs> first semester of uni, I said, I don't care. I'm going to make friends, which I actually thought was probably my best option because um, in my degree, there was literally 20 people doing law and engineering. That's, it's a, it's a rarity. Um, so I really prioritize meeting new people and sort of developing connections, which was the best thing ever because going to a, I went to an all girl private school. You're really exposed to one sort of type of person. I mean, there's some variations, but there's not much, I mean, there's not much diversity at all in regards to any sort of aspect. So I think uni was really, really eye-opening for me, especially learning different sort of perspectives and different beliefs. It was really good. And I think I've developed a lot from year 12. Um, and then I think, yeah, as, as uni's gone on, I have started to put more effort into my grades and definitely care a lot more. Um, but I think, yeah, my first year I was really just sort of having fun. (laughs) Definitely. But I think it's one of those foundation years where you should make Mm. the most of it. So whether it's, yeah, joining a university committee or venturing out, talking to more peers in your tutorials and really making that effort. I think a lot of people are seeking for other people to make that effort. So it's really incredible that you're sort of taking the initiative to go out and foster those great connections and um, great memories as well. Mm. I think the narrative that was sold to me from my parents was that uni is like one of the best times of your life and you'll meet lifelong friends um, and develop really... uh, cherishable memories so I think yeah making the most of it is an incredible uh way to go about it I want to ask as well so you started two years ago mm-hmm. were we still in that sort of COVID bubble where you were in and out of virtual and online classes oh and in-person classes sorry no so COVID for me was during year 11 and 12 mm. um and I mean everyone had their own experience during COVID but for, for my own story, I really, really struggled a lot, especially mentally. Um, I lost so many friends over COVID because I live in Eltham and my school was in queue. And with that 5K radius bubble, I couldn't see anyone. I, I didn't see any of my friends for majority of the lockdowns. And I was besties with my mum and dad. Shout out to them. <laughs> it was a good time. But I definitely matured a lot in two years. So yeah, COVID for me was during that year 12 
area. Yeah, it's one of those things where um, I, know, I hate to bring COVID up, like mm. it's oh, think of the past <laughs> and everything, but it's one of those things that would have impacted a lot of kids in high school where, yeah, you weren't part of someone's 5K radius. And in that time, that means the world to you mm. because like you said, you are surrounded by these people who you see every day and then all of a sudden it's like taken away from you and then when the sort of, I guess, leniencies came in and you were allowed those five kilometre radiuses, you weren't able to be part of it. So that would have been mm. extremely isolating as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting interesting mm. to sort of reflect <laughs> yes. back on those um, sort of moments. But I guess like the theme of mental health definitely is apparent with COVID. Can you talk to us a bit about it? Like whether that's from a high schooling perspective or the transition from high school to uni, like how was the mental? I mean, the mental health in year 11 during that, that really long one, it was really, really bad for me. And to be honest, it was beneficial for VCA because my coping mechanism was if I'm sad, I'll just do special maths. <laughs> <laughs> really weird coping mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be my go-to, but yeah. sure. <laughs> it was either that or I binge watch shit on Netflix. <laughs> but yeah, it was usually special maths and it was my best subject. So it, it was good. Um, it was your best subject. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. That is incredible, yeah. Anya. <laughs> you would never know. Um, but I guess transitioning from in year 12, I I really found when the lockdowns eased and we got back to normality, I didn't really have a solid group of friends in year 12. I just felt like during during that time, I really lost connections and it was quite hard for me to sort of get back into that. Um, so I felt quite lonely in year 12. I mean, I have some really good friends, but I didn't have a group of solid mates where I felt like I belonged and they were lovely people, but it just wasn't my crowd. What's it, sorry to jump in. What's it like navigating that? I, I think I've definitely felt that. And Mm. I think a lot of people would definitely have felt that sort of missing piece or, or that emptiness where it's like, I'm hanging out with these people, you know, I get invited to these events and, and socialize with them, but they're not just quite my people yet. What's it like navigating that feeling and what does it actually feel like? It's, it's a lot, especially, yeah, as you said, when you're in year 12, that's your whole world. Um, but I kind of, by the end of it, I kind of just came to a stage where, well, if, if these people don't really, I mean, value me, like how I should be valued, then that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll find my people eventually. And I think I just really put time and effort into connections that I knew were really true and real. And I think it also reflecting on it, it makes you really grateful for those friendships. So I think, yeah, I think I kind of got to a stage where I really didn't care what other people thought about me. Like they can talk whatever they want, but I know I try and put my best foot forward and that's all I can really do. Absolutely. It ties into the idea of self-love and self-worth mm. because I guess, you, yeah, like the old saying goes, you can't love someone else unless you love mm. yourself um, for who you are and what you bring to the world. And it's a very hard um, conversation to navigate, especially when you put so much of your self-worth on the validation from friends and peers and your social groups. Um, Mm. Is that something that you came across as well? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, 
sort of coming out of year 12, I, I actually felt really sad because I didn't graduate with a decent group of friends. And that's what you think about when you're when you're like growing up, oh my God, I'm going to have so many high school friends. And I, I, I came out with a, with a handful of people from sort of different groups. Um, but I think ever since finishing year 12, I've developed some really amazing friendships that I, I love for this day. And I've really attracted people who I want to keep in my life. And I know that they're going to be there for me, you know, through the good and the bad. So I'm, I'm glad it all happened at the end of the day. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. High school is one of those things I I look back on and I, I only keep in touch with probably, yeah, a handful of people, um, from high school. And it's one of those things where you're, sort of bound together by location Mm. and age. Mm. And those are sort of the two common things that are common across everyone. Other than that, you have different religions, race, um, backgrounds, um, family sort of situations and everything. And just an immense amount of factors that don't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best of friends. Mm. But it's like when you're surrounding yourself with them, 24-7, 24-7, well, not 24-7, but like 9 to 3, Monday to Friday. Those are the types of people that you start to bring yourself worth towards and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing to navigate. And I think the stepping stone from high school to uni really brings attention to that. Like you said before with um, the idea that you were at an all-girls school and that's sort of all you're subject to. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, there's a whole caliber of people who might be doing law eng or law or eng and um, going to the uni that you are going to as well. So yeah, it very, it's one of those things. Um, I think you, you talk about it and people are like, Oh yeah, like classic, you know, high school to uni. Yeah, we get it that it's a hard transition, but I think the ins and outs and the intricacies of it should be spoken about a bit more, especially the friendships and everything. Um, so what was it like navigating uni? You know, you've stepped into this, um, institution like was it something expected of you or like did you know you wanted to do law and eng or was it like I got a good score so I might as well just go and do it unfortunately it's the latter um, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do I mean sorry throughout my whole life I always wanted to do med um, wanted to do med I thought that was my calling and then one day I went to a UCAT session and I was immediately humbled and I thought I'm not going to do med. So I thought I know I do science, I do maths, I'm going to do engineering. And then I got a really decent ATAR and I just thought, oh, let's just chuck law in there <laughs> because I did well. And I, as soon as I started uh, uni and did law eng, I hated eng so much. I mean, it, there's no women in it at all. And going from an all girl school to a degree where it would be literally me and probably 10 other girls against a hundred other guys. It was, it was really hard because I, I personally do like learning in an environment of an all girls, like an all girl school. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a lot to navigate for me. And I felt like I was a fresh fight, like kid in year five talking to boys because I just wasn't used to that from school um so yeah I didn't want to do eng really after the first semester of uni but on law law with the other hand it was a challenge for me um 
because I was a maths and science girl and I'm trying to write essays and I, I literally did English language in year 12. I, <laughs> I was so not like a writer at all, but I have found that I actually do enjoy it. I mean, it's really hard for me, but I do enjoy it. And yeah, it's, I mean, I, I still don't know what I want to do. I get quite scared about it because I don't know what job I'm going to end up in. And I think there's a lot of pressure, especially on people and kids where you just, at the end of the day, I just want to make my parents proud. And um, it's just, it's hard to not know your exact direction in life when you've also, you feel like you're carrying this pressure of, I want to be successful. I have to do well, but I don't know what I want to do. Mm, Absolutely. It's one of those pressures that it might be verbal um, from parents, but it's also sometimes in an imagination as well. Like you are imagining this pressure of the needing, the need to be successful, Mm -hmm. the need to be rich and famous and Mm. um, bring successes to your family. Um, I think most of the time it is. It's something that you um, set aside for yourself to do because I don't know, there's, it's, it's indescribable really. Mm. And, And I guess this is the preface of the podcast. It's like navigating, finding your why, like what is your why? And I think at such a young age, you're literally 19 and thinking back like I was 18 and in, in your shoes as well, literally being like, well, I got a good good grade. Let's like go to a really good uni and like go tick that box sort of thing and find a job that is going to make me a lot of money. But I think when you venture deeper within, it's like the friends, like you start to uncover a lot more about yourself in terms of career pathways and uni. Yes, it's a great um, stepping stone for a lot of people to find their why or their purpose, but is it really their actual why and their actual purpose? I, I don't know. And it's one of those questions that I'm sort of interviewing people like yourself to discover and um, sort of pick the brains as to like why it might be your why or your passion and everything. But I, th- I think it's also okay to take time. Like you're so, so young and I'm sure a lot of people tell you that, um, but you never feel that um, it will land with you quite that much is that something that you're feeling Mm. yeah yeah sorry I was talking to my dad about it and you know my dad's a 55 year old man and (laughs) I was saying dad I don't know what I want to do with my life and he said to me Anya I don't know what I want to do with my (laughs) life and that gave me a lot of I mean he wouldn't remember the conversation but that actually provided me a lot of comfort because it just sort of shows that you're always sort of not knowing and I think my, my uncle told me he's a very intelligent, wise man. He said, whatever choice you make, just make it right, which I thought was a really good way to go about it. Um, I think because there's so many choices in life, you don't know what one to go with, but whatever you do, you just have to sort of work with what you've got. Absolutely. Um, that's so funny, your dad. <laughs> and But you know what? It's those um, comments and those conversations that – you don't think you'd remember, but they really stick with mm-hmm. you. And especially at such a young age, that's probably all you want to hear from your parent. It's like they, they're they these people that look after you and they're your role models in life and they look like they've got everything sorted out. But sometimes you need that honest conversation and they've sort of landed where they have because of the right decisions <laughs> that they've been making or sometimes the wrong ones. Um, but the, it's led them to where they are today. And I think we need to find sort of, that comfort of not knowing 
sort of what that decision is, but let's just make it the right decision at the time and then pivot and be adaptable and agile so that we can make it the right decision in the future. I wanted to date back or touch back on a comment that you made sort of about like the 10 girls versus and against a hundred guys. What is it like being, you know, like woman in STEM? <laughs> like I, I know it's such a common um, catchphrase and everything, but yeah, there is sort of this underlying misre- or underrepresentation of women in STEM because it's a very male dominated space. Um, how did it feel, especially, yeah, coming from an all girls uh, private school? It was a lot for me to take in. Um, it was fun because I really did find a decent group of blokes who I could be friends with, which was really good. But going into classes and, I mean, a lot of the kids in engineering love them, but they're all very nerdy and <laughs> they've, all been, they've all been coding since they literally came out of the womb and I, I'd never done coding and I'm in this class and everyone's typing away and I'm sitting there like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't ask, I don't like to sort of be a pest and ask people for help which I know it's you're not a pest always ask for help but I just don't and I just was sitting there being like oh my god I'm in this group I'm in this room with blokes I feel so out of my comfort zone and because you don't know these people um yeah it was really tough for me to navigate especially coming from you know an all private girl school where they're just talking about be sort of feminism which I love love that but then going from into engineering where you're surrounded by guys who you you share some things in common with but it's you can't have a good old gossip with or like a mother's group of talking about oh what are you wearing to uni ball that sort of thing yeah it's definitely a lot and you know what whoever's an engineer and a woman I have so much respect for you for getting through uni (laughs) well yeah because I think I always hear about um yeah how they're trying to get more women into STEM and um and and the need for it as well and I think diversity is so important you do need that balance between both genders because they're always going to bring something fresh and new to the board do you have you given much thought as to why women don't enter sort of the STEM pathway or or any initiatives that you might have thought of to bring up the participation I think it's this sort of thing takes a really long time to build I mean if you were talking 50 years ago there probably wouldn't have been really any women in STEM or very minimal compared to nowadays but I think it just takes time and as more females do it there'll be that gender uh, equality Um, I think the main reason, well, I found that a lot of people in that sort of the, the guys there, you would say something and I felt like, I mean, they might not have meant this, but I felt like no one really sort of wanted to hear my perspective, which is, could be whatever their beliefs they have, but it's because I felt like I wasn't in an environment where I was supported. It was a lot for a fresh 18 year old to navigate yeah absolutely and you're never taught sort of how to navigate being sort of invalidated or Mm. not heard as well it's one of those things you sort of start to learn as you get exposed to more and more of the world that there are people out there that won't take your opinion or will overrule you and those sorts of things so yeah I can imagine how difficult it would be Mm. stay strong (laughs) um keep, keep it up I think yeah it's one of those things where like if you're passionate about it um and want to make a difference I think 
what's stopping you, yeah. I guess, like try and pave um, the pathway that you want in that, um, I guess, domain. Mm. Yeah. Um, how did that impact your sort of mental health and like self-worth as well? Because, you know, you might have felt very, you might have felt like imposter syndrome in, um, I guess, like such a prestigious um, degree. What was all that like? And how was your mental health during that? Um, I can imagine, yeah, the the break from private school, all girls to um, a very male dominated space can be very jarring. Yeah, I, my first year of uni, uh, a lot of lessons were learnt. Um, I struggled a lot with my mental health, which I guess is sort of why I'm here, why I'm here today. Um, And it's shaped me a lot. I um, didn't really have, like I had some really close friends, but at uni, I just felt like I didn't really belong in really either degree because law is very, everyone's got massive egos and it's like, I'm a paralegal at this firm. What firm are you at? And I'm like, Classic. Oh. Yeah. It's I like, oh, the big four for commerce. <laughs> yeah, but literally. Yeah, literally. It's like, what, what firm are you at sort of thing? Yeah, so it's, absolutely. I, imposter syndromes are definitely a real thing in uni, um, but I definitely struggled with that in the first year. I didn't really feel like I had a purpose. And I mean, you're 18 years old. <laughs> I think. Yeah, where's your purpose, Anya? <laughs> what the hell? No. Come on. Okay. <laughs> but seriously, no, it feels like that because, yeah, um, people are walking around saying, oh, what internships have you got? You know, what firm are you at? You know, what are you doing? What are you going to do in the next, like, two years? Like, what are you going to do at the end of your degree? What are your majors? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on. And the uni talk and the uni conversation is just, I think it's, I think it's very cringe. I'm not going to lie. Like, I I think think it's, it's yeah, I think it's one of those things where people are just like projecting their insecurities because like, there's nothing sort of else, there's nothing else there that's telling you that it's okay to not know what you want to do and it's okay to feel lost. But then these people who are feeling lost are finding these pathways and then projecting and saying like, well, look, like I know what I'm going to do. I found exactly what I want to do and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of insecurity mm. um, bubbling around mm. in my opinion. Mm. I, I choose to not engage in those sort of conversations nowadays. It's not productive. No. Um, it's like in real life social media where you're just comparing like your LinkedIn's with each other <laughs> in conversation. And it's like, surely there's more to this conversation than what are you doing and what accolades have you achieved? Like, yes, by all means, like well done to you. That Like that's incredible that you're partaking in that. But it's like, what do you like to do in your mm. spare time? Who are you as a person? What are your values? Um, yeah. Those sorts of things. I'd rather talk about that than what institution you're working at or what, whether you got like X ATAR or, or, or the, those sorts of things. So, yeah. Anyway, so I just like let myself spill, spill out. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I, just, like, I don't know where to go from there. Um, I want to sort of dive back into uh, like last year. You did mention in the sheet that I normally send out that your mental health, yeah, wasn't necessarily the best. We don't have to dive too deep into it if you're not comfortable, but can you just give us a bit of context and I sort of want to springboard off that into mm-hmm. how you got into running. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the start of the year, just as uni started, my parents went on a four-month road trip around Australia, which was so amazing. I love that for them. But that left poor old Anya 
living by herself in a house with her dog. <laughs> Love Lily. Um, but I struggled a lot, like living completely by myself because my brother, he lives interstate. So it was just me and my house. I was doing my food shopping. I was cooking. I was doing the washing. I was cleaning the house whilst also having three jobs. Um, three jobs? Yeah, I had three jobs. Oh God, that's incredible. <laughs> and I was doing a law and engineering degree where I was at uni for like four days a week. And I felt extremely, extremely, I, I was never diagnosed with depression. Um, but if I went to a doctor, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, I was really, really struggling. And because my parents were away, I felt like I didn't really have that safety net anymore I I definitely did I'd called them like (laughs) three times a day but when you're completely by yourself and you know you're you're at home in your bed turning off the lights knowing that it's just you in this house it was a lot for me to take in and I mean I was already sort of fighting some internal battles I had some pretty bad experiences happen to me that I would never wish upon anyone to deal with but dealing with that alone and not telling my parents about anything that was going on, I felt like I was really, really struggling. And I have a coping mechanism of whenever I'd open up to someone, I would then laugh about it because that's how I that's how I cope. I, if I laugh, it's not as big of a deal. But then when I would reach out to people, they would just think I'm joking. Like, oh my God, ha ha ha. But I actually wasn't. I was actually really struggling, but I just could not sort of get my emotions out in a way that a regular person would recognize, oh, she's actually really struggling here. Um, and I did end up going to a GP to try and get a referral to a psychologist. And I remember I told my parents that like that I was struggling at this stage and the doctor, she referred me to about six psychologists in the area. I called up every single one and it was a six-month wait. And that news was so shattering because if you've sort of been in a position where you feel like you have no options and you've just been told that no one can help you, because with mental health, I don't need help in six months. I need help right now. And that was really, really hard for me to deal with because I felt even more alone. Um, and you know, one day I really just hit my rock bottom and I'm glad that it happened, but it was so much to deal with by myself and not having your support network with you. Um, but I came out of it a lot stronger and it's really, sad because that was literally a year ago where you know I didn't I didn't want to be Anya anymore like I did not want to be me at all to now think that like I've grown so much as a person and I'm you're, sorry. Doing really well. I'm like, you're doing really well you're gonna make me cry <laughs> you're doing really well sorry. um that like I'm really the happiest that I've been for like literally ever since before COVID because I really did struggle a lot. Um, So it's, it's, I still 
am processing everything that happened to me last year because, you know, it's not really something any 18-year-old should go through, especially by themselves and, you know, especially when it's someone who doesn't like reaching out. <laughs> it's really, like, not <laughs> good sort of the coping mechanism is it no you're you're doing incredible i'll I'll jump in and save you (laughs) you're literally gonna make me cry (laughs) um thank you for sharing i i really appreciate it and yeah you can sort of see the the hardships that you've gone through especially now and it's so fresh in your mind so yeah i really do appreciate you sharing and um telling your story um geez it sounds like i'm finishing the podcast there it's like thanks for sharing (laughs) but um yeah it's it's um incredibly difficult to navigate and cope with yeah mental health um particularly when the coping is laughing it off and Mm. i think the first thing that jumps to mind is boy cried wolf where um yeah you you sort of not lie about these things but when you laugh it off people think oh yeah it's okay it's all good um let's just sweep it under the rug Anya's fine um when you really you're not and that's sort of your outcry for help as well um is there anything that you'd sort of wish your friends did um to recognize the signs a bit more or because you know you're someone that doesn't really like reaching out and I think that's very common across a lot of people who do um, unfortunately face mental health issues like no one ever wants to be put in a vulnerable position or seen as vulnerable or um, seen as weak I think mm. weak uh, and that word and that association comes around um, quite often but yeah is there anything that you would have liked um, during that time? Um, to be honest like my closest friends they actually really did help me a lot um But I think it's just the people who I was loosely sort of like, they weren't my best friends. They would just, I would tell them about what's happening and, and then the conversation would change to something, something else. (laughs) So, I mean, no one, no one can really, I, I, I thought that I was the only one that could really help me, especially because I was you know, so alone and no one fully understands what you're feeling and they can't, like they actually can't. But I think I'm, look, my friends actually did a lot for me. I definitely Mm. do not want to talk anything bad because they really, really helped me a lot reflecting on it. But I I think to you, sorry to cut you mm. off. uh, I think to you, it would have seemed that when you were laughing it off, they would have brushed it off as well because yep. that's what you can see mm-hmm. and that those are the things that you grab onto. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're so far deep into a particular a particular mindset, you sort of grasp onto mm-hmm. um, small moments. So say like your dad saying, oh, like I actually don't know what I'm doing. Like that's what you grasp onto. And so it's those things that, yeah, what do you hold onto? What do you actually take in? What don't you take in? And I think when you're... Um, going through mental health issues or depression and anxiety, sometimes you start to flick this switch about like uh, selective hearing even. So it's like, what do you choose to see? What do you mm-hmm. choose to hear? And those sorts of things. So that I'm, I'm just thinking as well, I, like those things probably come, come about. I even, I remember actually some conversations where I actually wanted to break down in tears because I knew that if I break down in tears, they're actually going to think that there's something wrong. But I don't know. I don't know the medical terms for any of this, but I physically could not cry. Like 
could not cry at all. I would just laugh. And some days I was like, Anya, just break down. Like, don't laugh, break down. Cause I know you're struggling. Why are you laughing? It was, it got to that sort of stage where I really needed help. And I, I, I didn't know, I didn't really know what to do. What was sort of the turning point, um, where, where it, it sort of just changed for the better, I guess. Um, you know, you've been told, look like there's not going to be a psychologist available for six months. And that's sort of like maybe your gateway or your key to, um, breaking free of this problem that's happening. Um, yeah. What was the turning point? Well, after I hit my, um, my rock bottom, I did a lot of self-reflection and I remember this was after the whole psychologist. I remember thinking to myself, I can either continue on this path and, you know, potentially not really be around for much longer, or I can do little things every day to make me feel a little bit better. And, you know, thank God I chose that second path because it's a lot, especially when you're in that position, you really just want to get out and just not not have to deal with your issues anymore. But I really did that. I I remember it, this was about, so it was about September of last year. And I thought to myself for this next, the rest of the year, I'm just going to think about Anya. I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to look after my own mental health and just try and be happy. And every day I sort of, it was, it was doing something for myself or trying something new. I even, (laughs) I went on a camping trip by myself. Really? Yes. That's incredible. (laughs) I, it was literally to Sorrento. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, no, we're not, we're not laughing at that. No, that's, but like as a fresh 18 year old, you know, you're still exploring mm. the world and everything. So by all means, no judgment. Solo camping. It was, yeah. it was, I got my Snapchat like a year ago today of the camping trip. And I just thought to myself, God damn, I look so happy. <laughs> and yeah, I just would do little things to make me happy and yeah, doing sort of solo dates as corny as it is really did sort of provide comfort in being by myself because at the end of the day, I think that was the stem of my, my issues. I didn't like being by myself. I would try and surround myself with people 24 seven. So it wasn't just Anya. Mm. And then when it was Anya, that's when I would, you know, my mental health would be really, really bad. So yeah, really finding comfort in being happy with yourself and being content and that sort of thing really helped me so much. Absolutely. What's it like going on a solo date? I, I've seen so many <laughs> bloody reels about, you know, taking yourself out, like have a coffee by, by yourself and everything. Um, does it work? <laughs> I think the thing is about being by yourself is you're always going to have more fun when you're with friends. I, that's my, that's my, that's how I think. Mm. But when you're by yourself, you can really, I mean, it, it helps you appreciate those moments a whole lot more because you're like, God damn, I wish I could share that experience <laughs> with someone. Um, 
But I love solo dates. I still take myself on solo dates, uh, whether it's like a trip to Lover Bowl. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of sad on you. <laughs> but I will, all, even whenever I do get into a relationship, I will always, always prioritize being fully content in myself because if you're not content in yourself with your friendships or relationships or whatever it is, you're not going to put yourself, your best self forward. And you'd never want to, I would never want to be like completely dependent on someone for happiness because when that goes, what are you left with? Yourself. She's 19. <laughs> Can you fucking believe it? I love it. I love it so much. Um, let's talk about running. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I think we can, um, Jeez, I was thinking before the podcast, I was like, is this just going to be like a beginner to marathon sort of podcast? <laughs> but it's been an incredible um, chat about mental health and, <laughs> and sort of your upbringing and how you've sort of navigated um, the different sort of spanners that have been thrown into your works. But when did running come into the picture? And I guess let's talk about the timeline <laughs> till now. So um, at the start of the year, my brother, he was actually training up for a half marathon and he was down in Melbourne for the weekend and he goes, Anya, let's go in an easy 5k. And I remember thinking, oh, Ethan, I got this in the back. Got this so, I'm going to annihilate you. And I go in this 5k run and I get 3k into it and I dead set. <laughs> I got, my heart is beating out of my chest and I was so humbled, like so, so humbled because I did not realize how unfit I was, but after that run, it was, it provided me so much mental clarity that I was really sort of looking for, um, coming out of the previous year. And I said to Ethan, I was like, I'm going to train up for a half marathon. So I literally did. I just went, went full into the running, like, I, I signed up for the half marathon. I set my plan up and I just started running. I had, it was, it's kind of crazy to how much I flicked the switch because I tried to start running so many times before, like so, so many times before, but I just never really stuck to it. You do it for a week and then it's like, oh, I've had enough. What was the reason? Was it because you had that end goal of um, I'm doing a half marathon? Is is that what contributed to it? I think so. I'm definitely a person who needs to have some sort of tangible goal. And I think setting that really, really helped because you're working towards something. You're not just sort of like, I'm just going to start running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. No, I love that. Smart goals, everybody. <laughs> um, oh God. I'm not going to even go through the acronym. I can't even remember it. <laughs> um, wait, what is it? Specific, specific measurable, measurable, attainable, attainable, targeted. Smart. Or t- no, oh, time bound, oh. time bound, time bound. Oh, yeah. Smart, wait, ah, oh, sorry. Oh. oh, my God. Reasonable? Uh, I don't know. Reasonable? <laughs> I don't know, something like that. I always get stumbled by the art, <laughs> yeah. but then I just went straight to time bound. I love it so much. Um, Yeah, incredible. So, yeah, it's great that your brother sort of influenced mm. your decision mm. to start running. Now, I guess, like, let's paint the picture. You've started at 3K and mm. you're, like, dying. Yeah. And then you've gone to Sydney and ran your first marathon. What's the time span between those two runs? Seven, seven. Oh, what was, what's the month of nine months? Nine months. <laughs> nine months. Cause Incredible. Sydney was September. Yeah. I did not, if you told me I was going to run a marathon this year, I actually would have, I wouldn't have even laughed. I would have just been like, yeah, cool joke. <laughs> cool joke, mate. <laughs> um, but 
there's so much time in between there that I even sort of whenever I like sort of post my content, I never want to say I just woke up one day and ran a marathon because I trained, I trained exceptionally hard leading up to the half. I was running five times a week and I never missed a single session ever. And I think having that sort of mentality really helps me where it's not even an, I'm not even questioning, Oh, am I going to go for a run today? It's the runs happening. It's just, get it done. There's no option. Get it done. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, obviously if you're injured, relax, but I would, yeah. I are, get you, injured. are you on the Goggins train? Like, the, yeah, 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 I had, I actually had for my, when I was leading up to the marathon, my screensaver was what would Goggins do? <laughs> <laughs> Which was really cringe because people would be out, I'd be at a bar and people like, what are you going on about? <laughs> What would Goggins do? Goggins do? <laughs> Shug like 10 shots. It would be great. <laughs> no, oh, that's brilliant. Um, oh, my God. So literally a nine-month span and you've added, what, th- what's the math, 39 Ks. Yeah, but it's not even – my pace was faster in the marathon. My heart rate would have been lower. Like, I mean, I never run for physical benefits. I mean, it's great to feel more confident in your skin, but I've never run to sort of attain a – certain body standard or whatever it is on that note actually i know a lot of people like get into fitness because they're like i want to look better and everything but um i think you just feel more comfortable in your skin because you're actually putting in the work for Mm. yourself Mm. as well Mm. so say with like powerlifting for myself Mm. because i'm not a runner (laughs) i don't know maybe uh i'll I'll hop on the running the running era bandwagon (laughs) i feel like everyone is in their running era at the moment anyway um but you feel just like more confident in your skin Mm. whether you look good or better um it's more like you're actually taking time to invest into yourself. So you could consider like your runs a solo day or like my mm-hmm. training sessions, a solo day mm-hmm. essentially. But yeah. I think also, cause I, I, I mean, most people have struggled with their body image or whatever. And previously, whenever I would start a fitness challenge, it was to lose X amount of kilos or look like this. But when I started running, I never had an never even measured myself or weighed myself. It was, I want to complete a half marathon. And I think I've really learned having performance goals over your, I want to lose X amount of kilos for me personally works 10 times better because inevitably you're going to get fitter if you're running or if you're doing whatever it is. Um, it's definitely, definitely something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Performance metrics. Very, Mm -hmm. very good. Something that you can put sort of like a number to Mm -hmm. that isn't weight. I think Mm -hmm. weight fluctuates a lot, especially especially in women, females. Yeah. Yeah, Literally it fluctuates so much because of, yeah, your periods and Mm -hmm. hormonal, um, changes. Um, and like muscle weighs two times more than fat. So it's just like, if you're working out in the gym as a as a woman and I know a lot of females attribute their self-worth to like the weight on the scales like my girlfriend does it as well it's like no like you're Mm. getting stronger and you're getting um fitter Mm -hmm. but it's like the muscle that's the weight it's not like you being fat (laughs) (laughs) please don't think that at all like um no it's just like one of those things I'm just like no please like don't think that at all and Mm. um Anyway, that's another conversation. I want to get into some questions actually because I feel like this will relate to this segment and maybe kickstart a few like mm-hmm. pointers, beginner to marathon, mm-hmm. love it. Um, 
Kyle, your mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Kyle. Um, he asked, did you ever struggle with running by yourself at the start? And I think this is like pretty relevant to, you know, the idea that you, you, your parents left and that's what sort of put you in the mental health uh, or like in a poor mental health stance or um, period, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. What was that all like? Well, for majority of my running, so from the start of the year to about what's the month? August. <laughs> I was always running by myself. Um, and I definitely did struggle some days, but at the end of the day, whenever I would run, I'd feel way better. So it's just, it's just getting your foot out the door. Once your runners are on, that that's the hard, that's literally the hardest part because once you're outside, you're not going to start your run and then say, Oh yeah, no. Like, yeah, I definitely did struggle, but I think relying on discipline really helped me a lot and not running when I'm motivated. Absolutely. There's so much um, happening about or so much conversation and um, narrative surrounding discipline versus motivation. Mm -hmm. Motivation sort of like gets you out the door once, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that's reoccurring and you can't Mm -hmm. rely on motivation to be your sole source of why you're doing something. Whereas discipline, you know, you make it a routine. There's non-negotiables set in place then you're going to keep showing up and eventually you'll get better even if it's a shit day as well um what are some tips actually or what are some ways to get around sort of the struggle of running by yourself uh having a good playlist (laughs) i i have some really good running playlists so just on your rosanic on spotify (laughs) i'll put that in the in the show notes i reckon get around it Actually, this is, I'll get back to that question, but just quickly, what I would do is for my half marathon, I actually made a playlist that started off, my first song was Sweet Disposition, which is quite a somber, like, ease, magical, euphoric song. And then you build into the marathon and it becomes like more techno heavy and more like doof doof. Um, I literally did a subject (laughs) at uni, it's called Music and Health, anyone at Unimob, um, do it, it's like free wham booster (laughs) people always after wham boosters but um you seriously had to make like a 10 song playlist and describe it to like the activity that you were doing so it could have been yeah i guess 10 songs would probably be about 30 minutes Mm -hmm. so you could say like oh my 30 minute run Mm -hmm. um and then you look at the science behind the beats per minute and like how that's going to affect the brain whether lyrics are going to uh impact you as well so i did like one for gym and um Mm -hmm. I think music is very beneficial when you can tailor it in those sorts of ways to attribute it to your training. Um, like that mental shift between the euphoric, like, oh, we're easing into it to like, okay, this is like grind time sort of thing. Let's put some more hard, hard stuff on. So incredible. Um, but yeah, some tips for running by yourself is I, I'd also listen to some podcasts, but I've also started to run without music which is very controversial, but it, it's kind of like meditation, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't really recommend this if you're just trying to start running. Cause when you want to start running, you really want to be sort of fueling your motivation. Um, so definitely listen to music, but as you get further along the track, I think running without music is really, really good because when you've got things in your ears you're not really thinking you're just listening to the songs but then when you run with no music you actually get to think get to reflect a bit of meditation (laughs) 
think some wacky thoughts, uh, try and solve world hunger. I don't know. <laughs> like you literally, I think about the roguest things ever. Um, but yeah, I think list podcasts and good playlists is like the best sort of thing. No, nah, absolutely. I think as much as I, yes, talk about sort of tailoring the music, there is also studies about, um, and actually my coach even says like, sometimes don't train with headphones, like with deadlifts, say for powerlifting, you sometimes have to be really dialed in. So you play like a really good song and then you're like deadlifting to that song. But say for comp day, you're not going to actually have that, those headphones on. You have to take them off. So you have to get used to being able to dial in without the music that you're used to as well. So it's a very good way and a good way to mix it up as well. Because so, sometimes you want to be really present with sort of your own thoughts, but then sometimes like you just need to get through it as well. So that's when you bring in the music. So yeah, incredible. Um, Sammy asked, how did you stay motivated at the start with running? I know you touched on sort of having that end goal, but was there anything that sort of ticked you on? I think um, surrounding yourself with like-minded people really, really helps. Whether they're runners or not, people who can sort of are going to ask you, oh, how's your running going? That sort of environment really helped me with motivation. Um, join, a, join a run club. Shout out to RTV. <laughs> run the verbs. Run the verbs. Um, yeah. Like ever since I've been joined, I've run with Run the Burbs. You're with this group of people who we literally only speak about running. So you really can. It's good because the people who don't run in your life probably get so annoyed with you just <laughs> constantly talking about running, which is so valid. But yeah, I think surrounding yourself with like-minded people, whether they are runners or they're just, you know talk about their own fitness goals is really beneficial because it just keeps you accountable. I think that's one thing that I did. I was really public with like my running. I was super duper public with it. So I think that helped me with, oh, I can't pull out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, It's like setting those, yeah, non-negotiables and being really public about it. There's like Always, obviously, always two sides to a story. I'm, I'm seeing things like, yes, you should post all about like your goals and achievements and everything that you're doing, which is incredible. Mm. And it's the pathway that you've gone down. But then I'm seeing things like you shouldn't post it. You should keep quiet about it and then celebrate after. So yeah, it's interesting discussion, mm. but obviously that pathway of posting things, especially on TikTok, <laughs> you've been popping off, um, have really sort of set uh, set the standard and set the tone for yourself. So incredible. And we'll get into content creation in a little bit. Um, Cal asked, what were the major setbacks you faced during training for your marathon? I actually never got injured. I don't want to be that person. (laughs) So good. (laughs) I actually never, I think I, I'm just built different people. (laughs) No, I've never been injured in my whole entire life. Like I think if someone else did what I did, they actually would get injured. I did not strength train, which don't recommend. Um, oh, you didn't? I didn't. I didn't lift a single weight, which was really, really, really silly because it got me in the end. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I copped it. Uh, I Yeah, I didn't really have any setbacks. Obviously, during the actual marathon, there were setbacks, um, but leading up to it, I don't want to be that person, but there was none. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Carly, she's got two questions. What's, so the first one is what's your go-to pre-run and post-run foods? Ooh, pre-run. 
I actually sometimes I don't eat before, which is so silly. But I feel, feel like well, the, the like the times that I can count on my hand that I've run, like <laughs> I don't like running on an empty stomach. I don't know if that's oh no on a full stomach. Sorry. Well, if I'm running, I agree. If I'm running more than twenty k's or fifteen k's, mm. I I I always try and eat before because otherwise you just hit a wall. Um. Yep. So usually beforehand, it's a bagel, a peanut butter bagel. I love my bagels. <laughs> um. Or like a banana with peanut butter, peanut butter on anything really. <laughs> Essential fats. And I love it. And post, post run. Post run is. A bagel. <laughs> a bagel as well. Not lovable. I, I feel like lovable would be. No, no, I literally have at least one bagel a day. It's really like really, really bad. But right. have you gone to Bizzle B? No, I oh. only I only go to Whiplash because oh, I'm Whiplash. also a Collingwood fan. So okay. I hit up the Whiplash okay. for the bagels. <laughs> I see, I see. Well, Bizzle B, very good location if anyone wants to check it out. Um, Carly has also asked, what has the progression journey been like? For example, did you set short-term goals? I think we touched mm-hmm. on that a little bit. You <laughs> signed up for the half marathon. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm doing it. But yeah, were there um, sort of many checklists that you had or things that you did to keep yourself sort of in line and, and ritualized mm-hmm. through the half marathon slash marathon? I think um, my training for the half marathon and the marathon was very different. For the marathon, I use this app called Runner, which is seriously, if you want to train up for anything from a 5k to a 100k ultra marathon, they've got a plan for you. Um, but they, they, it's, it's a paid app but they give you a very specific training plan and they give you actual paces and every day your run pops up on your phone as a notification. So that really helped me. Um, In terms of sort of short-term goals, I didn't – I just really enjoy running. Like I actually really, really enjoy running. And after my marathon, I think I had four days off and I was just itching to run. I was like, oh, like I can't wait to run because <laughs> I just love it so much. And I hope this stays like this because it's the best feeling ever. Can you describe it? Oh, it's just, I mean, it's changed. My running journey has changed so much that from at the start of the year, I was really by myself. But now I've got this sort of really decent group of running friends that I can't wait to catch up with them and run, or it's like, oh, I can't wait for my my cappuccino after my run. <laughs> like, it's just the clarity that running provides me, and I want to get better. I mean, I'm so not a fast runner. I'm no <laughs> Kipchoge or anything like that. But just trying to work on yourself in one aspect of your life is really, really the best. Absolutely, it's so important to set aside that time and. And, and the space to do so as well, whether that's, yeah, physical sort of outlet or like an ac- academic outlet as well. I think it's always great to be working on yourself and striving for a better purpose. Um, I'm really liking the analogy that you're never going to be like that higher self of your version, but that's the thing that should excite you. Mm. The thing or the gap between you right now and you and your higher self, it should always be moving and then you're always chasing it. Um, I love that analogy so much. Like, um, and I try to bring it up in each conversation as well. It's something that's just stuck with me. So um, I love that about your running and everything. And I think um, as we sort of look over your journey as well, I guess I felt relatively connected in high school with the private school bunch and then entered 
sort of graduated and let go of a few of them and because you didn't really feel that connected and then went into uni and you were like, oh my God, like I'm not connected at all, <laughs> but they still tried to venture out. And then now you've sort of stumbled across um, your people, mm. um, the people that really bring you happiness and excitement for that part of your week where you're like, I'm looking forward to that cappuccino and everything. Um, do you have any sort of tips for f- discovering your people? I think it's a, a question that a lot of people pose um, to themselves. It's like, am I actually ha- hanging out with the right people? Like, are these people actually benefiting in my life? It's a lot to navigate. And I think it's something that you shouldn't put pressure on yourself for because I don't want to say it, but your time will come. <laughs> um, but for me, especially in, you know, coming from high school or just any friendships in my life, I kind of reflect on it and say, am I being who I want to be around these people? Are they bringing out the best of me or are they bringing out the not so good parts about me? Um, and also just sort of trying new things. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do running because I knew this was going to be my outcome. It was just, let's just give this a go and see what happens. So I think really taking that first step can, can open a door or it, or it can't like, I just, just try it. And it's, I think it relates back to the uh, quote that your uncle had, I guess, like about the decision-making and making it the right decision. It's like, I don't know if this is the right decision, mm. but let's just go with it. Let's mm. just start posting some content, set a goal for myself and really just run with it. Oh, oh God, no pun intended. <laughs> let's just go with it sort of thing, um, which is incredible. And I love sort of the outcome and how happy you've become as a person. I think, I, yeah, I mentioned at the start, I can definitely see from where you were to where you are now, like you're exuding this confidence and this happiness, which is incredible. Um, I love it so much. Um, we've got, sort of one last question and this one's from Sandy. Uh, she asked three keys to preparing for a marathon that are non-negotiable. <laughs> My marathon day. I made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, non-negotiable. Um, don't do what I did. <laughs> what did you do? Okay. I, the day before my marathon, I was with my brother and we're in Manly. So we had fish and chips for lunch. I was so full. Like I really enjoyed that and then by the time it hit dinner the night before I was still full but Ethan's like no we need to eat before let's go to GYG let's get a burrito with beans <laughs> and I wake up <laughs> no. <laughs> so silly because I wake up on marathon day my stomach's in all in all sorts of pain and I was still full so I didn't eat before my marathon which was so silly because then I had gels on top of an empty stomach. And I mean, my marathon, I experienced excruciating pain, but the stomach pain was probably number one. <laughs> no way. That is so funny. Oh so my gosh. eat before your marathon. Mm. That's definitely a non-negotiable. But no- nothing that's going like, to bloat you, or, bloat you yeah. or cause any sort of bowel issues. <laughs> so what would you have eaten instead? Because I feel, I feel like fish and chips, you know, like a bit high in fat. Yeah. You do have carbs and, and like, I guess a bit of protein from the fish. And then GYGs is pretty good except for the beans. Except for the beans. I think I've heard that rice is a really good 
carb source. Like it's better than pasta. Oh, better than pasta. Oh, that's just what I've heard. Shout out Asians. Let's go. (laughs) I've just heard that through the grapevine that that's really good on the stomach and it's quite light. But you should really be carb loading three days before your marathon, not the day before your marathon. I have heard that where it does actually take a little while for the Mm. carbs to actually start to um, come in place as Mm. well. So, yeah, I think when you – before you run, you should have, like, quick digesting Mm -hmm. carbs. So maybe, like, some lollies and those sorts of things. I don't know if that's – Yeah, banana or, like, high sugar. Yeah, exactly. Those things that your body will, like, take in sort of instantaneously Mm -hmm. compared to – your sort of uh, slower digesting carbs, mm. so like things like oats, mm. uh, rice and pasta. Mm. Yeah. I think um, another <clears throat> tip that really helped me through my running is getting decent socks. No one talks about socks enough. Um, the Lululemon Power Stride socks, this is unwork-related. They are so good because you don't get blisters. I've lost, I lost toenails at the start of my half marathon training. Yeah, RIP. <laughs> I'm never going. I, I didn't go to get my toes done for ages because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. <laughs> Rip the toes. <laughs> Rip the toenails. Um, but yeah, getting good socks for running is seriously not talked about enough because having a blister is like the most painful thing ever. Uh, oh, I can imagine. Oh, I, I just don't want to think about it. <laughs> no. Shout out Lulu. Shout out. Power Stride socks come in store. You might see the both of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. We go. I don't know if we can promote like that, but anyway, <laughs> we'll just go ahead with it. I love it. Um, so eating good before. Yep. Socks. socks. Um, final tip is, I mean, obviously you're training. That's you. You want to be really well prepared, but I think the day of marathon. What's another tip? Um, hydration is super duper important, and especially having salts the night before and the morning of because these things called electrolytes. If you don't, I think. I mean, I don't know the science. I know rough the rough science. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have enough electrolytes, then you cramp a lot. And I had. The worst, I mean, you get cramping in your marathon no matter what, I think. Um, but I had the worst cramping of my whole entire life. Like at 30K, I could not even lift up my legs because I was in that much pain. Um, and yeah, electrolytes, really important. And another thing, just one more thing about the marathon is I went in with a with a time goal. I wanted to get under four hours and towards the end of the marathon I went out way too fast and then it cooked me but towards the end of the marathon I knew that I wasn't going to hit that time because I just felt myself dying (laughs) and I saw so many people just passing out on the floor people were having like oxygen masks on them it was a it was was a very hot weekend wasn't it? yeah it it was 30 degrees and it was (laughs) it was a genuine sight to see because you literally saw ambulances driving to pick these people up and it kind of I I hit a moment where I was like I don't really care if I don't get under sub four hours I just want to get it done I'll be happy if I survive (laughs) so I think yeah I think you sort of reach this goal where at the end of the day whatever your time goal is you have to be goddamn proud of yourself for running 42k because that is an achievement in itself absolutely so would you say sort of not like 
don't set goals, but be a bit more realistic about it or just be proud of the fact that you've gone through and done it. I mean, especially for your first marathon, I think you can have a goal, but I think just crossing the line is a goal in itself. Um, I just sort of developed an ego and I was like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, I the whole time I just wanted to finish and also, it's okay to walk during a marathon because there were some walking breaks. It's all good. Yeah. It's 42 Ks, man. Okay. Yeah, actually, it's actually incredible. <laughs> um, Anya, it's been incredible listening to your story. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm so appreciative of you sharing um, a, bit, a bit of an insight into just how far you've come, particularly with the mental health stance and, and the point that you were at, the lows that you were, you had to face and sort of navigating all the way back up to now reaching this sort of runner's high, um, completing your first marathon and yeah, just sharing some insight. I think it's incredible. I think it's a bit, there's a bit more merit and weight to having someone who is like your gen pop, mm. essentially, like you couldn't run three Ks to now running um, a marathon. Um, there's just a bit more weight behind, I guess, the information that you've provided. Um, so thank you very much for sharing. I'm sure a lot of listeners who are maybe ho- hoping to hop into their runner's era is, are going to latch onto that and really, um, take that advice and, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to make so many puns, like, uh, taking it in their stride as, as we might say. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so bad. It's so good. Um, no, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and especially the conversation about navigating the high school to uni gap as well. I think the idea of that is not talked enough, mm-hmm. or talked about enough. Um, so thank you for sharing. What's next for you? What have you got planned? Um, next is obviously I'm getting this semester of uni done, but then uni break happens and I'm, I haven't officially booked myself in for a half marathon, but I am training up for a faster half marathon. I'm doing the beyond blue one which is december 3rd and that's soon yeah it's i'm um, eight weeks of training um but i've already sort of i can run half marathons now it's <laughs> i've done a marathon i can do a half marathon <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so i'm training up for that and then i guess i really do want to sort of develop more into my content creation um i'm really i've really enjoyed that this year so i think that's sort of next on the cards i love it um with Life with Lamb, just to butt in, um, I finish uni very soon as well. And it's just like, yeah, woo, let's go. <laughs> um, but one of the things I want to implement with Life with Lamb is having just a single topic to talk about. So mm-hmm. if you want to come on and talk about content creation, by all means. Love to. Um, I'll probably rebrand the Shearings aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shearings used to be a snippet of the main podcast, um, but I definitely want to make small hearings is mm-hmm. the uh, breakdown of it. Uh a little bit about, about like one topic and just mm. sort of like a 10, 15, 20 minute conversation mm. about it. So um, that's what's in store for you guys. But where can people find you uh, to support you on your content creation journey? Um, Instagram's just Anya Rosanic. And then TikTok, which is where I'm more active about the running, is Anya underscore Rosanic, I believe. Yeah, I think you <laughs> like never know what your TikTok name yeah. is. It's one of those things you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. will go. <laughs> just, just search of Anya I'm probably the only one (laughs) (laughs) okay geez no there's not many Anyas out in the world fair enough no it's been incredible listening to your journey um be sure to follow at life with lamb podcast and we'll catch you in the next episode (laughs) yeah